0: Hey guys, Jonah here. And Lindsay. Yeah. I'm back. Lindsay with the Y. I, I learned that now. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about the prologue to the First Crusade. We're not talking about the First Crusade. It's just too expansive of a topic that we're going to split it into two parts so that we don't end up here for another two and a half hours.
1: Yeah. Sorry about but,
0: that. Yeah. That's that was completely our fault. Luckily, we don't have any announcements <laughs> to make, so we're just going to get right into it. So we need to set the scene. Of course, the Crusades were—they were, were an attempt to reconquer the Holy Land from Muslim rule and put it back in the hands of Christianity. Basically, Jerusalem—Jerusalem uh, Jerusalem was and still is a important city for all three of the major um, Abrahamic religions. So Judaism, Christianity, and Islam.
1: The big three, as it were.
0: The big three, de- definitely during that time, especially in Europe.
1: Well, they're still the big three.
0: They are still the and big three. And
1: Jerusalem's still kind of a point of contention, so.
0: Yeah, exactly. We are.
1: Everything comes full circle.
0: Yeah, luckily we're not on YouTube or else we'd be demonetized by now. I'd enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Being demonetized because we're talking about Israel?
1: Yeah, I kind of want to see that. <laughs> we we'd just piss everyone off. Yeah.
0: Another event that was happening, the Byzantine Empire, which was the successor of the Roman Empire, was severely dwindling by this point. This was in the late 900s, early 1000s. The Byzantine Empire, they had lost a majority of Anatolia, so modern-day Turkey, to the Seljuk Turks, and much of their European territory to other Christian nations that were Conquering them and other places that were rebelling, such as places in the in the Balkans and Greece. The Byzantine Empire only owned the Bosphorus area and a little bit into Anatolia. But they were not the same power that they were before. There was also the issue, several... Do you remember the date when the Great Schism happened?
1: 1054.
0: 1054. Oh, sorry, it wasn't the late 900s. Anyway, 1054, the Great Schism happened. And what the Great Schism was, uh, it was a split between the Western and Eastern Christian churches. So it's what began the separation between Catholicism and Orthodox.
1: So like in modern day times, think about basically the Catholic Church and the Russian and Greek Orthodox churches.
0: Yeah, So instead of
1: a Pope, they have a Patriarch. Basically the same.
0: Yeah. Essentially, Orthodoxy is more traditional Catholicism.
1: Yeah, except the churches are way cooler.
0: In or, In Orthodoxy?
1: Yeah. Gold leaf <laughs> everywhere. Super decadent and amazing. Better architecture, too. Just, right. Just a thought.
0: So, uh, and we will do a whole episode on the racism, but in short, it was a disagreement between... Partially, there There's a bunch of disagreements. One of them that I know of for sure, it was... Uh, Disagreement between whether Jesus Christ was God as man or if Jesus was God, the man and the Holy Spirit all in one. And the main uh, sense of criticism on the latter was, well, if Jesus was just a spirit, then his sacrifice was in vain because he, a spirit can feel no pain and spirit can feel no suffering. So therefore there's no, his sacrifice, there was no sacrifice. Mm
1: -hmm. Basically, it was pretty bloody. It was just pretty, like... It was basically, like, a large cultural, political, and religious theological disagreement. Yeah.
0: Like,
1: it was a really big split. And I think... I don't really know for sure, but probably had something to do with, like, emerging empires in different places, too.
0: Most likely. And definitely uh, power grabs from Yeah, because, people. I mean,
1: you know, like, the orthodoxy in the East was really, like, moving towards Russia and Kiev and those places, and I don't know. I don't know a lot about it, but it's... uh
0: It was definitely also quite... big deal. (laughs) Yeah, it was also a bit ethnic in a way because, well, it's obvious people ethnically from the East are different from people ethnically from the West. It's just how it is, even in Europe. Now, uh, the Levant, which is modern day Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Israel, part of Egypt and part of Turkey was under Muslim rule. Uh, Two different groups, the Fatimids in the south, which are from northern Africa, and the Seljuk Turks in the north, which are from that area. And the Fatimids had already owned owned Jerusalem for over 400 years. And during that time, Jews, Christians, and Muslims, they coexisted in relative harmony. There were some skirmishes here and there, but no different from regular everyday disagreements. That people have today there was no real uh no real I- religious or ethnic conflict there in europe things weren't entirely much better for example there was a split between the pope and the holy roman empire which is quite ironic
1: a little hard to wrap your head
0: around yeah the holy roman empire the empire that is neither holy nor roman nor an empire it was not at all a country it was just a collective <laughs> Of different German states, and at one point, northern Italy.
1: I mean, in fairness, for a long time, Germany wasn't really a country, just a collection it, yeah, of German exactly, states.
0: exactly. This was the closest <laughs> at that time that I'd come to actually being a functioning country. But it was uh, started by the Pope, de- declared these German states to be part of the Holy Roman Empire, and they were going to continue the legacy and be the next Roman Empire and spread christened them. Across Europe and the world, the the main pope was a man named Urban the Second, or as Lindsay
1: Orban Urban, Urban
0: is probably the correct way to say it. Yeah, Urban was the uh, Urban the Second was the uh, the main pope, the one that basically everyone agrees was the, the legit actual pope. pope. Yeah, and then there there's uh, the pope supported by the Holy Roman Empire, which is Clement the Third, and he was in Ravenna. In Italy, which is funny because that means he was closer to Rome than the actual Pope was because Urban was hanging around in France. He couldn't set foot in Rome or he would have been killed.
1: Yeah, but I feel like France has generally got like, I, w- I don't want to say more Catholic cred than Italy, but like they have a lot of Catholic cred. And the Pope was in France for a long time anyway. It wasn't just Urban. like
0: Yeah, there, so. there have been a few Popes that have been French.
1: A few. Just a few.
0: Yeah. Uh, another part of the world: Spain and most of Portugal were under most of Spain and most of Portugal were under Muslim rule. It was a province at the time known as Al Andalus or the Caliphate of Cordoba, which it was, it was known at this time. And Al Andalus is actually where the term Andalusia comes from, which is the um, the autonomous province, the auton- autonomous community in the mm-hmm. south. And they'd been under rule since, the, I believe, the mid to late 900s when the Gothic, Visigoth kingdoms were destroyed, mostly destroyed. There are still Christian kingdoms in the north, especially in Asturias, who managed to remain separate from the rest of uh, the Muslim rule because they had the advantage of uh, mountains and they were skilled at guerrilla warfare. And also Alexios Komnenos was the emperor of the Byzantine Empire. He was in bad shape. He just lost uh, several wars between, from both sides. He's basically being attacked from two fronts by two different sets of ideologies. He was hoping to regain territory back from the Seljuk Turks. So he sent a letter to Urban requesting aid to reclaim lost Byzantine land And this is what set things in motion for the Crusades. Urban called a council at the town of Clermont between November 18th and the 28th in 1095. The council was an attempt to recruit knights to partake in a campaign to retake the Holy Land. He gave a powerful sermon and he called for the capture of Jerusalem for Christendom and the establishment of a kingdom of Jerusalem for Christians. He recalled... Stories of atrocities committed by the Muslims against Christians. These were mostly fabricated. And most of what he was talking about was actually attacks from bandits. It was not for ideological reasons. It was for, I want to get rich.
1: Give me your money reasons. Give me
0: money reasons, yeah. Not Robin Hood reasons either.
1: (laughs) Not just give me your money reasons. Yeah,
0: Like we said, it was mostly harmonious between them. After Urban made his speech, there was a silence across the council, and all of a sudden, someone stood up and shouted, Deus Vult, which means God wills it, and that became the rallying cry. Everyone, according to records, everyone in the room started shouting it, and that meant the First Crusades were on. This was the inception.
1: And like some other kind of factors were going on at the time, too. There was really bad uh, famine and crop production was poor and peasants were suffering anyways and as we know well through various other points in history when crisis happens people tend to turn to things like religion to make it better and uh they thought that um going on a crusade would be a way to well they were obviously promised to go to heaven but also it would be a way to hopefully solve maybe solve their problems um as well as some other things like this belief that the end of the world was imminent became popular again so nothing motivates a crusade like believing the world's gonna end i guess
0: yeah exactly
1: the world's gonna end may as well go to heaven and kill some people on the way right yeah exactly
0: they set plans to depart in august of 1096 that'll become important later and urban selected bishop adamir Lepuy to be his representative in the campaign and therefore adamir was the de facto leader of the crusade That'll also be important uh, when we talk about the actual crusade (laughs) next episode.
1: Oh, these people are going (laughs) to change. Hope you're you're taking
0: notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a new thing on Panastoria now. Our listeners must take notes. You have to
0: take notes. We expect a 12-page essay on this topic by...
1: Please send it to us on Facebook. Send
0: it to us on Facebook. If you don't, we know who you are and you will be graded. Yeah, harshly. And this is not on a sliding scale. So. No,
1: there's no bell curve. Yeah. So. Anyways. Uh,
0: <laughs> so now, what what this did this begin? Did the first crusade begin? No. Something else began. I prefer to call this the peasant's crusade, but it is also known as the People's Crusade. The and Pauper's
1: Crusade, and Paupers which crusade. I prefer.
0: <laughs> I prefer Peasants' Crusade because it is a very accurate yeah, that's true. Description of it.
1: I mean, if you think about, like, modern-day slang and the use of the word peasant, it still fits.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. What this was, were they were an extremely unorganized, and they were especially unauthorized group of peasants that had basically no military training.
1: Their lives n- just sucked.
0: No armor and no supplies, no weapons. Like, they had some weapons, but they were literally...
1: To say it was a ragtag group was a little, un- it was a bit of an, like, um,
0: yeah. Yeah, this was the stereotypical peasants' uprising where they're holding scythes and pitchforks. Some, tor- some, of some them- torches, maybe. Some of them had swords. Yeah, I, I
1: assume a torch or five. Yeah, yeah, some of
0: them had armor, but...
1: Mostly, probably not.
0: Ba- only a couple Shoes had Shoes, questionable. Yeah, yeah, clothing was questionable as well. Hmm, good. These are literally people in rags marching... To go to, the, to retake the, the Holy Land, believing half, that God... Off
1: to Constantinople. Yeah,
0: they believed that God would protect them from any harm.
1: Yeah, it's a powerful belief.
0: Uh, they were drawn in by Urban's promise to, of complete absolution from their sins. And they were gar- also guaranteed an entry in, into heaven. Now, there are three main groups. The main group and the most definitely the most important person in this whole peasant's crusade was Peter the Hermit. He led uh That's quite the name he led um people from all from France, from Italy from Germany the German states
1: he mostly led the German side, though. mostly
0: yeah, but well he was German, yeah, yeah, he claimed he was chosen by God to lead the crusade, and he also said that he firsthand witnessed Muslim atrocities, Muslim massacres against Christian families
1: pro tip listeners whenever someone says that God told them to do it. It's probably best not to listen yeah it's
0: definitely best not to listen because it's
1: probably not true
0: yeah and also the thing is peter there's actually little evidence there's like no evidence to suggest that peter ever went to the holy land ever <laughs> so
1: that's exactly how you want leading your crusade
0: yeah a hermit that lies he...
1: let's not make fun of hermits i'm a hermit you can call me Lindsay the hermit from now on
0: or hermit crab that's different true okay uh there is a French group led by a man named Walter Saint And then there is a German group led by Count Emiko. And he is by far the most despicable of the groups. No offense to the Germans, but Count Emiko was awful. The German contingent did some really bad, bad shit. shit. Yeah. Real bad shit. Yeah.
1: That's kind of a thing in wars with Germany. Bad shit happens. Yeah,
0: unfortunately. Uh, the first group to actually arrive, like, mar- start marching out was the French group mm. and Walter. He arrived in Belgrade, which was a Byzantine city, very important, in May 1096.
1: And now, in, case, in case you don't know, Belgrade is in modern-day Serbia.
0: It's the capital, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So the governor of Belgrade was like, wait, what? What? Where are well, all
1: these people? Yeah,
0: why are they already crusaders here? We They weren't supposed to be here until... August.
1: Casca fuck.
0: Yeah, and he's like, these aren't the knights we were promised. These are just peasants. These, they, what? They weren't supposed to be here until September. Max, what's going on? Max
1: confusion. Anyway. They're
0: very, very big confusion. So he, he said, all right, I'm going to let you guys wait outside Belgr- the walls of Belgrade. I'm going to send word to Alexios to see what's going on. And then I'm going to have the, him send troops to escort you guys to Constantinople. Now, the peasants were kind of like, okay, but they were starving because n- they did not bring any provisions with them whatsoever. It's, it's uh, not news to say that uh, food production and preservation was definitely not the same in medieval Europe.
1: Well, and just, you know, not being experienced crusaders are not going to know to bring things along.
0: Exactly. But uh, that's that, That's the thing, though, Lindsay, is that um, there was nothing, there was basically nothing to bring. It was already spring. Yeah.
1: Well, hence the whole, like, the famine thing. Exactly,
0: yeah. But basically every year, food would start to get scarce around spring because they had to maintain food from the harvest in August. Mm-hmm. That's why they chose August to begin marching because then they would have enough food to provide to their troops and to supply. It also just gave them more time to prepare whereas these peasants were just like, "Let's just, all right, great, let's go." So there was just no food left. There's nothing left.
1: Good time to start.
0: <laughs> so what do the peasants do? What do peasants do when they're usually hungry? Pillage. Yeah. They began pillaging the area surrounding Belgrade. Many Byzantine citizens were killed. Homes were destroyed and food and gold was stolen. That was another thing. They needed gold or they wanted gold. More money, they,
1: more problems. Yeah,
0: the other thing is that they managed to get through all of Hungary without pillaging. And now they're starving. Haha. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> ha. And then... Uh, oh, the irony. Yeah. But then they're like, "What? Well, let's just... We didn't do anything there. Let's just loop back into Hungary. So they did, and they ended up at a market. They got into a fight with local villagers over a pair of shoes.
1: I thought there was also an argument about their leader's armor or something, and it like the price of it. Something, no, yeah. That, and then, and then it led to like discussions about shoes, and then yeah, a riot.
0: It was a, it was, it was literally a. It led to a, a riot was led to because they were fighting over a pair of shoes. I'm not jo- I'm not joking. You'll hear us laughing at some pretty morbid stuff in this in these episodes, but it's just
1: kind of ridiculous. It's
0: really like... stupid, ridiculous, and black comedy yeah. at this point.
1: I mean, what good is history if you can't laugh at it, yeah. right?
0: Someone once said, uh, "If history were, a no- if history were written in a novel, it'd be a black comedy." Pretty much, it yeah. is. This is this is good proof. Well. Okay, so the Byzantines were not happy about the pillaging. A huge, well, well, not a huge, but a better trained and equipped army went after the Crusaders. They were routed, and they were rounded up and actually escorted to Constantinople. So Walter's now going to wait in Constantinople until the rest of the group arrive. And then now we're into Emiko, who's... I named him Emiko the Butcher because that's what he was
1: Fair he
0: enough. set off the from Germany around the same time but before they even exited Germany a bunch of his men were like you know what you no know, it was a lot closer than the Muslims the Jews why don't we go after the Jews
1: familiar sentiment yeah
0: they were just seen as an easy target they were there they weren't Jew, Jews in Europe in general, were not well loved, especially at that time. So they went from town to town to town, just massacring the Jewish population and stealing their food, their gold, their clothing, anything, burning their houses down. Now, this was unanimously condemned by the Catholic clergy and the people in general. And also several bishops actually were like, you know what, enough, we're not going to let this happen. And they actually stood up to the mobs.
1: They didn't do that like a bunch of time later during uh, during World War II. No, they did. Not really. It's, no? The Catholic Church didn't really say a lot.
0: I don't know much about that, but we'll, yeah. we'll get into it.
1: We'll come back to that later.
0: Uh, but yeah, several of the bishops were just not having it. Also, Urban, people who probably have heard of Urban II. He definitely was not... He's arguably not a huge fan of Jews, but even he condemned this violence because, I mean, you can argue one way or another, either he just didn't want them killed, but the most likely reason is he didn't want the massacres happening in Europe. Take it as you will.
1: You're going to kill people, kill them elsewhere.
0: Yeah, basically, Mm -hmm. not in my territory. One bishop, the Bishop of Spear, he granted uh, divine protection of the Jews under, under his authorization, and he refused to allow the mob from... Harming them, hid a lot of the Jews, sent, like had them protected in the church. And he said, no, you're not touching them. And because of him, thousands of Jewish people were saved. The Bishop of, of Worms, he actually offered his own home as a refuge, letting the Jews of the town in. Unfortunately, the, the mob broke into the home and all of the people hiding inside were slaughtered. And by far, probably the most heroic of them was the Bishop of Mainz. He actually said, "Lock the gates of the town, and he, none of they will not be. None of them will be allowed in." And he also helped the Jews gather riches in order to bribe Emiko to leave them alone. Well, guess what? Emiko did. He took the bribe
1: and then killed them. Anyway. And then
0: killed them anyway. <laughs> yeah, not a good person. So, of course, the bishop. One of the bishop's personal guards told the bishop about what was about the massacre. So the bishop actually called for his own personal guard to assemble, got members of his, what would the word be, congregation? For which, sorry? For, like, the bishop's uh, flock. (laughs) I know that's not the proper term, but... Congregation. (laughs) Congregation. Flock works too, though. (laughs) The bishop's congregation. A bunch of them actually took up arms with the bishop and they joined the local militia in defending the Jews and actually fought back the mob out of the town. Uh, unfortunately, the mob, they they reorganized. They actually bribed a lot of the town guard to let them back in and many Jews were massacred and the town was all but destroyed. So you can see why I consider Emiko the worst because of him 12,000 jews were slaughtered they never even made it to constantinople though this is where they get the comeuppance emiko arrived in hungary and the hungarian governor saw that oh shit more crusaders are here and he just refused to let them in he's like no fuck off yeah we're done now yeah fuck off so emiko thought it would be a great idea to besiege the garrison <laughs> with no siege equipment, no provisions, barely any weapons. And the governor just said, take them out. Just take them out. And they were absolutely slaughtered by the Byzantine troops and local Hungarians. That's, it's, we're, we're not having we had enough. So be, most of Emiko's contingent were destroyed, they were killed. There was a split because this bunch of people said, "Well, this just proves that Emiko is not worthy," and they went on their way, continued to Constantinople, and a bunch of the other group went back home, including Emiko. Emiko was like, "Okay, fuck this, I'm out." And when he arrived strong back strong
1: and noble leader. Yeah,
0: when he arrived back home, he was ridiculed for the rest of his life because these people said, "You did not fulfill your promise to God."
1: That's probably good.
0: Yeah. So he, he definitely he got. That. For the rest. And I mean for the rest of he his probably life. I died. Beheaded, but that's fine. And, well, he got a pretty deserving. He was. That's fair. He lived on the. He li- basically. No one really knows how he died. But the uh, story that I heard that I really enjoyed was uh, he starved to death hmm. because he was poor. He lost everything because he spent all of his fortune on this crusade. That's good.
1: He probably deserved that. Yeah.
0: He suffered a fate worse than death, which I think is fine.
1: Yeah,
0: and if uh, if you believe in it, he's definitely in hell right now. Now here we go. We come to the largest contingent and probably the best, <laughs> Peter, Peter the Hermit. He managed to amass <laughs> forty thousand followers. Again, many were untrained peasants, but also women and children.
1: <laughs> Real helpful. <laughs> I wonder how many of those people actually thought they were just going on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem.
0: Oh, who knows? Who knows? Because like that the, was a
1: that was a thing. So like they would, I'm sure some of them might not have like they'd be like, oh, we're going to Jerusalem, sweet, and not really necessarily realize that it was actually a crusade.
0: Family vacation. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Walk
1: into Jerusalem.
0: Vacations all over. Anyway, um. <laughs> they, Peter arrived in Hungary. They were actually they were allowed to go through Hungary under the strict promise that Peter would cross his heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in his eye, they would not loot. <laughs> they made it to the border without looting, and then two merchants, <laughs> two peasants got in a fight with a merchant. Again, this is about shoes.
1: I mean, hey, if you have to walk all the way to Jerusalem from Germany, like, yeah, shoes are important.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, you were right about Amico. It was mo- mostly a fight about armor, but it ended up boiling down to shoes.
1: This was legitimately This was shoes. legitimately yeah. just
0: solely about a pair of shoes.
1: Again, though, important when you're walking that far.
0: Yeah. It turned into a fight, and it became not a, ma- a riot, a battle between the merchants and the crusaders. <laughs> And eventually, the the Byzantine, they actually stormed the local citadel, pillaged the entire town, and killed 4,000 Hungarians.
1: That's going to leave a bad taste in the governor of
0: Hungary's mouth. So the governor of Belgrade, word got back to the governor of Belgrade about this, and he's like, oh, shit. So he... My bad. No, no, not my Uh, bad, because they didn't arrive there yet. uh, And he's like, oh, shit. So he quickly (laughs) hired a bunch of mercenaries to aid the Byzantine troops. By the time the group arrived, the the peasants arrived in Belgrade, they were like, okay, look, you're not coming into Belgrade. These guys are going to escort you across this bridge and then escort you to Constantinople, and then we're done. Well, it was going just fine for a bit. And then a couple of the crusaders got impatient, and started killing the Byzantine troops and pillaging the countryside, as you do. As you do. Unfortunately, Belgrade was pillaged, looted, and razed to the ground. It was completely destroyed by a bunch of fucking peasants.
1: Fucking volatile peasants. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Peasants. Governor was, governor, I, no word on the governor if he survived or if he died.
1: If he survived, I'm sure he was pissed.
0: Yeah. But who knows? Piston him him himself. He did all he could. Yeah. He did all he could.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, then they eventually arrived at the... I mean, the... I
1: feel like if he did survive, we would have found out because he would have gone on a murderous rampage.
0: <laughs> or he would have just been a hermit.
1: Probably murderous rampage. Probably.
0: Yeah. I would have...
1: I That's I what I would have done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're going to raise my city? Fuck all y'all. They
0: wait until they sleep. And then... <clears throat> um... <laughs> Well, the peasants finally made it to the provincial capital of Nice. (laughs) Because this was a a Byzantine province still. Now, the governor begged Peter to wait for an escort. And then Peter said, okay, I will wait for an escort, but you have to provide the food for me and all of my people. Well, okay, so the governor was like, okay, I have to choose between feeding my own people or feeding these people mob so the governor was like just go get out of here go <laughs> just get lost peasants were doing fine but they decided hey let's for the fun of it burn down this mill that's on our way out and the governor said all right
1: shitheads
0: yeah send out the troops but take take them as hostages try not don't only kill them if necessary the peasants ended up regrouping and attempted to attack attack niche and by then the governor was just out of patience and he said, he he ordered the troops to stop the mob by any means necessary. And of course the peasants were defeated because they were very w- dwindled down. The Byzantine troops were able to round them up and escort them to Constantinople. Finally, everyone, all the main people are at Constantinople. Alexios again looks at this and he's like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, you're going to take on the Turks. That's totally going to
0: work. Is, this is not the group I asked for or i was promised yeah so we said all right How
1: about the actual fuck peter
0: yeah so we said all right i'm gonna suggest you guys wait for the main crusading force but if you guys want to go go nuts you you just don't have to listen to me and he actually provided them with a passageway across the bosphorus because at that time there was no technology to build a bridge that expansive i mean if you know istanbul now it's in there's both the European side of the city and the Asian side of the city. Well, at the time, there was just Constantinople on the European side of the city. And also, Constantinople was a super fortified city. Like the wall, if there's great stories about the walls of Constantinople. We could do a whole episode just on that. But they, it was, for a long time, impenetrable. But it was also the protection between East and West. I mean, Seljuks couldn't get across the Bosphorus. And so the anyway, so Alexius provided them with ships to get across. They're ferried into Anatolia. They're arrived and the first thing they do is immediately start pillaging the villages in the surrounding area. Here's the problem. These are the these, are, these were the villages they were supposed to not pillage. They were supposed to liberate because A majority, all of the, basically everyone in those villages were Christian Byzantines. The only real Turks Mm. were the local garrisons. And even that they were made up at at, like of Christians as well. That just like, well, I was a soldier for the Byzantines. I might as well be soldier for the new rulers. They need a job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean... For context, let's remember that these are peasants and apparently as they as they marched every major city they got to, they thought it was Jerusalem and everyone had to be like, "No, no, this is not Jerusalem."
0: This, exactly. This is
1: this is not not Jerusalem. Just keep going.
0: I know it looks like the Holy Land. It looks like how the Holy Land is supposed to be, but no.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not
0: there yet. But yeah. they didn't care.
1: Yeah, Belgrade's totally the Holy Land, guys. Totally.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch, I think. But yeah. um, it's, it's But def- it's a major
1: city. In de- yeah,
0: but definitely when they were in Anatolia, they believed they were in the Holy Land. And then those who knew better had to be like, no, 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 we're not there. And uh, the rest of them just didn't give a shit. They are like, well, we're...
1: I feel like they just kind of became a, became a big group of anarchists at some point. It's like, fuck it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly it was worse than anarchy I'm going like,
1: to rip apart your shit fuck
0: everything up now when they reach they reached the uh, the city of nico Thank you. no nicomedia mm. so I, I'm, if i'm again if i'm pronouncing something wrong do let me know in the comments uh, you might
1: not listen but let us yeah, know
0: anyway uh splinter happened in the uh place called nicomedia which was a kind of a, it was a bit of it was a town but it was a large town it was used as the uh, as a camp for the peasants. Uh, there was a splinter. The Italians and the Germans began bickering with the French. As will happen. Yeah. So the Italians and Germans are like, "Fuck you!" And they started following a knight named Renald. And the French remained with Peter.
1: But wasn't Peter leave, like leading the Germans?
0: No, they led the, He led the French. Surprisingly, I I know oh, I was yep. I was nope. surprised too yeah. Yep, I was surprised too.
1: I'm con- I can't keep people straight apparently. That's okay. Anyway,
0: no no it would make sense if he led the Germans, but he the French stayed with Peter.
1: <laughs> Just because I remember reading that he gathered his army at Cologne, and I'm like, oh, so he's in Germany.
0: <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? They, yeah, I know it's it's bizarre. They managed to cooperate enough to take over the town of kiveto and Peter by this point. Begged the Crusaders. He's like, "Please, let's just wait in Civitato for the rest for the main crusading force." But by then, Peter just completely lost control of a majority of the people. So the and they French were like,
1: "Fuck you, Peter. We're going anyway." Yeah,
0: and by now, the French and Italian German groups would just constantly try to one up each other. It got fucking ridiculous. Just some of the stuff I was reading it was basically like, "Oh well, we managed to take this, whatnot," and then the other groups like got one up them, so they would like get naked and paint crosses, like red crosses, on them, and go and take, try to take them out. That's not exactly what happened, but it got that fucking ridiculous. Like literally
1: a pissing contest. It
0: basically, yeah, exactly. It was a bunch of drunken frat boys trying to retake the holy land.
1: <laughs> not bush league at all.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> not even a little. Yeah, Peter was witnessing this, and he was like, he fuck it. He gave up because he knew he'd lost control and he went back to Constantinople to ask Alexios for assistance and Alexios says, "I'm not going in until the main crusade." Yeah, you done arrive. fucked
1: up, Peter. I'm not yeah. helping you.
0: Yeah. And Peter never returned to the
1: He just stayed in Constantinople.
0: Yeah. He will he will come back later.
1: Eventually. <laughs> he
0: will come back later when we get to the main Crusade, but yeah, He stayed in Constantinople. It was probably
1: wise of him just to abandon that dumpster fire and go back to Constantinople.
0: At that point, yeah, he's like, I've made a horrible mistake. Yeah.
1: Fuck. I done fucked up.
0: The Italians and the Germans began a siege of uh, the Turkish garrison called Zaragotas. They actually managed to capture the garrison, but then the Turks got reinforcements, surrounded, and besieged them. And the, the peasants only realized then... Oh, there's no food supplies in this garrison, and there's also no well. The well's up on that hill over there. That well was outside of the garrison, up a hill. So, like, oh, no. The Turks were said, we will give you amnesty and free passage if you promise to surrender and convert to Islam. And many were like, no, I'm not abandoning my faith. I'm the true faith. Mm. I'm not abandoning it. (laughs) Well, Renault immediately... Said, yeah, of course I'll, I'll, yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I'll convert to Islam.
1: I like Turkey; it's cool.
0: Hey, I'll, I'll help you fight the rest of these Crusaders. Now, apparently, the Turks did not buy it, and that
1: was probably smart. Yeah, there were, there were
0: there are sources that su- suggest he was actually executed. That was basically the end of the German and Italian contingents; they were all but wiped out.
1: Yeah, and not, so, not so smart.
0: No, at Kivato the French group was still there. The Turks. This is really funny. The Turks kind of caught wind. Oh yeah, these guys are a bunch of wimps, and they're not. They're now in competition with each other. The Turks purposely got word up to Kivato that the Germans and the Italians had taken Zaragotas, and they're like, "What? Shit!" And, but and they purposely left out. Oh yeah, by the way, they were they were defeated. Uh,
1: <laughs> That's kind of an important fact. Yeah.
0: Um, so the French are like, well, what do we got to do? We got to do something. It's like, we got to to move fast so or we're going to miss out on all the looting. We're gonna, They're going to take everything. So a large French force gathered again outside of Kivito. And in the meantime, the Turkish forces started surrounding them during the night while they were camped out. And the Turks began slaughtering the peasants. And 17,000 out of 20,000 were killed, including Walter Sandoval. Now this was the end. This was officially the end of the Peasants' Crusade. Only three thousand of them returned home. Ouch! So what did we learn, Lindsay?
1: You you don't hire peasants to do your bidding. <laughs> I guess if you want to if you want to conquer the if you want to conquer the Holy Land, yeah, send you, professionals.
0: Uh, it's not like any real, with exception coming up, but it's not like any other armies really been successful at marking no. anything over there. I mean, look at. Look at Iraq.
1: The moral of the story is, don't go on a crusade.
0: <laughs> there are two places that you should never invade. First one is the Middle East. Second one is Afghanistan. I Which mean, is
1: in the Middle East, sort of. It's
0: not. Te- it's it's mm. not.
1: I guess as we colloquial as we colloquially refer to the Middle East. Yeah, I guess. Would.
0: But anyway, you don't invade. <laughs> it's just
1: not going to end well for you. No,
0: it definitely yeah. won't.
1: I mean, the other is just like leave the Turks alone. <laughs>
0: Well, the Turks are basically the being left alone, but kind they're of. kind of having their own problems. Yeah, we were trying to think of well, how could we make this relate to modern day, and it kind of does because a the Holy Land is still still really messed up. There's it, there's there's still feeling the backlash of this because after this they've been super divided, mm-hmm. and it's just super unfortunate that there's no end in sight. There are of course places that are doing quite well.
1: Well, I mean, and for like modern day cultural reference, I suppose, when you mention Levant, um, like Isis. Ugh, god.
0: The Ash. We'll call it uh, the Ash. They were originally
1: them. referred to as Isil, which is
0: is, is Islamic, the Islamic state
1: of Israel of and in is, Levant.
0: It's in Iraq and Levant. Or
1: Iraq and Levant, sorry. Um, had Israel on the
0: brain. We're demonetized
1: now. Yeah, I'm gonna be a meme <laughs> yeah. on the internet forever. Um, just Israel on the brain, I guess. Yeah,
0: the Levant being that region, a very important region. You know why it's called the Levant? Because I, I actually didn't look this up.
1: I did not, but I will. Okay. I will refer to our Lord and Savior Google. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Derives from the Italian levante, meaning rising, implying the rising of the sun in
0: the east. That makes sense. Yep. uh, Um, Sorry. No, go ahead.
1: Eventually, originally in the 13th and 14th centuries, the term levante was used for Italian maritime commerce in the eastern Mediterranean, including Greece, Anatolia, Syria, Palestine, and Egypt. That is the lands east of Venice. Eventually, the term was restricted to the Muslim countries of Syria, Palestine, and Egypt.
0: Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's where the majority of the conflict is happening today, especially in in Iraq and in Syria and even Lebanon.
1: Well, I mean, for more, in 1581, England set up the Levant Company to monopolize commerce with the Ottoman Empire. The name Levant States was used to refer to the French mandate over Syria and Lebanon after World War I. And this is probably the reason why the term Levant has come to be synonymously, used synonymously with Syria and Palestine. So the, the term was used to help colonize the area, too, which eventually leads to conflict that we have now because most things in the world can be back to colonialism of some kind.
0: I mean, I did say that a lot of the conflict traces back to the crusades, which is sort of true. Mm -hmm.
1: The crusades in a way were like a really big first effort at colonization.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like
1: as we, as we know of it, I mean, trying to conquer another land, but because of religious or other ideological beliefs,
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> It's
1: essentially what colonization was yeah. i mean other uh, colonization happened because of resources, but a lot of it was ideological and religious
0: yeah, unfortunately, there's still that divide today. it's tragic it's one of the by far i mean the the big the largest tragedy in history is the Holocaust, of course um but another huge tragedy is the unfortunate perpetual war in the Middle East. Mm it just doesn't seem to be an end.
1: No. And I, I think that, um, constant meddling from the West never helps either. Um, like in Afghanistan, for instance, it's really, when you sort of trace different invasions of Afghanistan, you start to see like how conflict that exists now is very directly related to conflict the, it's very directly related to other invasions of that country, you know, hundreds of years before, or even longer. Even when it's like we didn't leave them alone, so we caused this, and now by further trying to help, we're probably just making it worse.
0: Exactly, it's an unfortunate set of situations, and and
1: it's it's really easy to attach ideology to it, which yeah. makes it worse.
0: I mean, we might get called the hypocrites for a couple white western people saying this but i don't think so i think it's just being aware
1: yeah i don't i mean i don't know where to even stand on the subject other than i know that a lot of the issues that exist in in the middle east and i mean all over the world it's not exclusive to here or anywhere else i mean the thing about colonization is that it existed all over the world the british empire was massive Uh uh-huh you know the sun never sets and i'm sure we'll talk about more specific colonization in other episodes Uh, absolutely absolutely sure we will but I mean, we look at African, like North Africa, or African con- conflicts in general, um, Middle Eastern conflicts. Almost all of these conflicts are directly related somehow to meddling between a, an effort of colonization in some sort, even whether or not it's the Crusades and it's trying to free the Holy Land or it's like actually in, in Africa, like actual colonization over belief that you're superior and also resources or, you know, there's... yeah, Most modern day conflicts have have very far-reaching historical beginnings. And I guess that's why I feel like we're going to try and make an effort in every episode to sort of bring things back to the present because it helps show that connection between why this matters now and why that in the past still matters.
0: Yeah, it relates to the whole overarching theme of Panastoria, which is that we need to learn from the past in order to make a better future.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I people who think that history is irrelevant are... Dumb. No. Yeah. I mean
0: No, <laughs> no yeah, you know, I, I would definitely say I yeah, don't want a name call, dumb. but
1: it's true. I mean it it's I think having some knowledge and I mean I'll admit I looked a lot of this up on Wikipedia very shortly before we recorded this. Uh, but it's it's useful to know to know all of this, to, to give some context to what's going on now when you see the news and it's not happening in a vacuum. Nothing happens in a vacuum.
0: Well, part of the reason why I thought it was important to start it when I did is because I read a news article saying there is a, I can't remember the exact percentage, but there's a massive percentage of uh, kids in the United States that had no idea what the Holocaust was. And
1: I would say there's probably a fairly large percentage in Canada, even that don't.
0: I would say so. yeah, Yeah. It's
1: super difficult. It's super easy to lose sight of things that happened in the past once the visible... Uh, markers are gone. Uh, you can look at pictures of the Holocaust all you want, but we know that it's easy to fabricate images. It's different when you talk to someone who survived it, but unfortunately, because time passes, these people are getting to an age where they're dying. I've been fortunate enough to meet two or three different survivors, for instance. And when you... Having studied the Holocaust... We're just going to continue on the Holocaust, even though it's not really related. Don't worry about <laughs> but it. But it's a good example. Um, i I've had experience... Uh, I've studied a lot on the Holocaust and eventually you you don't really become desensitized to the information, but it's really hard to contextualize it and make it seem relevant to you. And you're like, yeah, I know this is bad, but you're talking about figures that are really hard to grasp. I mean, 6 million people is insane. You can't grasp a number that large. Yeah. Um, and the tragedy is just so large that it's really hard to wrap your head around. And so it doesn't seem real. But when you meet somebody who survived that and um, you see the Auschwitz tattoo like I saw or you know, some other thing... It really, like, smacks you in the face that this was a real thing. And it's kind of a difficult thing to to deal with. But um, it's experiences like that that make you realize that what's going on now is directly related to things that happened in the past. And so, um, you know, even the brief reading I did about crusades or or whatever kind of made me think, like, oh, yeah, no, this is... I can see what's happening now being related to that that happened in 1056. Like, yeah. it's it's a ridiculous stretch of time, but it, it does, it's there. And, it, and we hope that, I guess, by doing this, we can help make re- those connections up more yeah, obvious to people.
0: It's a reminder that, I mean, we kind of look at things that happened in the 20th century and we're like, well, wow, this kind of hatred for the Jews came out of nowhere. It didn't. It didn't
1: really. Yeah, not new.
0: No, the, unfor- the like it just seems like there are a lot of groups that get unfortunately get the bottom of the barrel, and unfortunately, the Jews have been going through that for centuries. They were banned from several several countries in Europe and were chased out. And actually, one of the safest places for them was Jerusalem.
1: Mm.
0: They were just able to live in peace i mean there was still some prejudice there yeah but they were able to live on their own
1: which is why jerusalem you know it's discussion of jerusalem being obviously the holy land and the city that their the pilgrimages pilgrimages to jerusalem exist and why the crusaders were heading for jerusalem is that jerusalem is really important to all three of the yeah, the abrahamic religions the big three uh which is why you know the decision to recognize Jerusalem like recently the decision by the United States to recognize Jerusalem as the capital the capital was really controversial because it's not just a Jewish city the Jews have been able to exib- exist there peacefully in, well, for the most part sort yeah, of yeah
0: well also half of half or quarter i think i think i'm going to say half half of jerusalem is in uh the west bank
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: which that's why it's so controversial because there's also, still that.
1: But also I think it's 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 controversial in the sense that you're recognizing it now as only exclusively Jewish territory when it's really not. Yeah. In terms exactly. of like its its history and what it means to all three religions. But it also I guess brings together like we always talk about like the differences between religions, but like people forget that Islam, Christianity and Judaism are so similar. <laughs> and well, it and then it makes conflicts like this seem even more ridiculous. Like well, it's
0: yeah, like Judaism was first. It's yeah. the oldest of those of the of those the main three Western religions. Yeah, yeah. and then came Islam. Nope, no, Christianity, yeah, Christianity, Christianity came. Sorry, which was kind of set up as, as as a bit of a response to old
1: Christianity's just weird because there's like
0: it split like yeah the, it's it's it's, a, it's
1: it's hard to remember it as being kind of the second oldest because in way in ways there's like. A, two
0: sects. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was definitely or three, I guess. It was definitely a split because for example the Old Testament in the the Bible is uh if you if you've heard of someone say uh, what, the the Torah mm-hmm. it is the Old, it's Testament. the Old Testament, yeah. And then the New Testament was after Jesus was born and then it talks about his sacrifice, his resurrection mm-hmm. and then beyond. And basically the New Testament was a way to divorce the teachings of the Old Testament,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so and
1: made Christianity a little more
0: separate. Yeah, but it, it was also to—I uh, mean, they still followed the New, Old Testament, of course. Mm-hmm. But there are teachings in the New Testament that were meant to be. This is going to be weird to say, progressive, but for the time they kind—they actually were. Um, and then Islam was created in a reaction to both. Christianity and Judaism mm-hmm. and this very briefly touching on it and i'm if if this somehow offends people offends people I apologize I'm kind of butchering it but it was it was God saying okay that didn't work and this didn't work so this is the new uh, this is these are the what I'd like you to follow so that's it was just the Quran was a reaction to mm-hmm. the New Testament which was a reaction to the Torah just So they're all like if you I've read I've read the Old Testament and the New Testament and I've read the Quran and a lot of stories that happen in both happen in all three.
1: Yeah, they're all very similar, which makes it really difficult to remember that when you look at like current conflicts, when it becomes a matter of like it's based on based in religion, but it's like poof, they're so similar. Well, just like I think that it's ultimately more ideological than religious.
0: In oh, a lot of ways, it's, it's just just how you interpret what you're reading. Yeah, I mean, we know
1: well, and and yeah, and you can you how you use that interpretation, right? Yeah, I mean, you can absolutely interpret things as yeah literal interpretations. Usually, don't end well.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're living in an age where, where there are people that are like, yeah, I, I I know the Bible says that, I just don't agree with it, mm-hmm. and they are but they still believe in they still believe in the Bible or they mm-hmm. still believe in the Torah because or it's still not in Koran. it's
1: not like there's a It's not like there aren't good things in these teachings. I mean, there's a lot of our morals and moral and ethically based systems are are based on these some of these teachings, like the Golden Rule and whatnot. So, it's not like it's all bad. It's just that there are a lot of bad things in all of them, and how you choose to interpret those generally leads to, yeah,
0: absolutely. My overall not always good things. No, exactly. (laughs) People will hijack religious teachings in order to.
1: Reinforce Re- their
0: reinforce their
1: their views of- their
0: views their power and even some um, some of their own insecurities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, also, I'm a total believer that a majority of people on this earth are good.
1: Yeah, I think the thing about like religious texts and using those as the basis for anything, well, not anything, but like as a justification for something, is that it leads to cherry picking, and I think that books like the like the bible or the quran or i guess the torah um any any major text like that um because it has so many things in it you can't cherry pick it needs to be taken as a whole document Absolutely. It, it can't you can't read like one section and be like that because it's yeah. like there's a lot of context <laughs> and uh I, I mean for instance um like Jeff Sessions using Romans to justify
0: separating children. from Yeah. Them.
1: Is like, are you really a good Christian? If you're just cherry picking the Bible, like probably not. Uh, that's not, shall I
0: stone you Jeff Sessions <laughs> for wearing two sets of, is it two sets of different sets of cloth? I don't know. <laughs> it's something weird, but yeah, uh, people make that argument all the time on the internet. So you can go, you can, you can hear it, yes. but it's true. I mean, I think, obviously, I think
1: big important, big important texts that that have so much to interpret really can't be cherry picked, and they need to be taken as entire documents. Which, unfortunately, the people who cause conflict and choose to stoke the fires of conflict are almost always cherry-picking. Like, I don't think that the Quran is an evil document by any means. It has a lot of really great teachings in it. Uh,
0: same P- with, the, same people, with the New
1: and the Old Testament. People
0: have abused the Bible the same amount people, or even arguably more probably than more. people have abused the Quran. Given it's
1: existed longer, I would say yeah. they've probably abused any, it longer.
0: <laughs> any teachings, any kind of book can be skewed and misrepresented.
1: Yeah, see, it also. Just,
0: again, it is just how you view it. That's why I'm like, I actually encourage people to read all three. Yeah. It, it's
1: it's easy to, I, I mean, I, I hear from like a lot of people all the time are like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not religious. I don't want to read them. And it's like, you don't have to be because I mean, so my background's in philosophy and like, I read a lot of stuff that like, I'm not, I don't consider myself, um, you know, interested in a lot of, in certain areas of philosophy, but they're important books to read. And like the Bible or any religious text like that. Like I'm not particularly religious, religious myself. <laughs> I don't know what gave it. Neither, neither yeah. one of those. I don't us know are. if that's a shocking, shocking reveal or not. But um, I think that if you choose to look at books like the Bible, the Quran, if you choose to look at them as, piece, as pieces of like pieces of history or just ideas, if you choose to look at them as pieces of philosophy, because in some ways they are, then if you try and you, you don't necessarily have to derive meaning out of it, but they're important to read because it helps you understand a lot of what's happening in the world exactly. and why people think the way they do. And I think that there's a lot of really excellent teachings in them that don't necessarily, you can extract the meaning of it without needing to necessarily believe in whatever. I mean, the whole idea of like being a good person and being peaceful, et cetera, you can extract those messages and and be okay with that without needing to believe everything else. Yeah, And I think that unfortunately... There's not a lot of discourse on that.
0: <laughs> I think there's just not a lot of understanding anymore. That's why I actually encourage our listeners: if you haven't read any of them, I do encourage you to read them. There are, of course, f- very outdated teachings in there, but mm-hmm. there are also s- very beautiful passages. Again, you in kind there. of
1: take it—you take the good with the bad. It's a whole document, not sections of a document. You kind of have to read it as one. Yeah, exactly. One thing and judge it based on that. Well, that
0: was a yeah. (laughs) I I just also want to point out that we're not Lindsay and I aren't religious people, but we're also open minded, yeah. So we were, I I don't, I'm definitely not an atheist, but I'm completely open to hearing other views, I'm open to accepting other views, I'm agnostic for for
1: every insane thing I see from somebody using a passage in the Bible to justify an awful thing. I know plenty of, of really good Christians who worked really hard to help people of other faiths. I mean, I, I know lots of, of church groups that have gone out of their ways to help, um, Muslim immigrants and Muslim migrants when bad things happen to, you know, they work together just as vice versa. Right. I mean, it's about being good people. If you're actually practicing what you preach, you're being a good person. And so, yeah, I'm open to to whoever decides they want to be a, a decent person.
0: I yeah, <laughs> like we we don't we definitely don't ju- we don't judge by the color of your skin or by your religion or eth- like ethnicity, nothing like that. We judge by character. Yeah. So if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. <laughs> you're an
1: asshole. We'll call you an asshole.
0: <laughs> we will. We will. We <clears throat> will Joseph Stalin's you an asshole. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we forgot to mention that today. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we can rabble on a bit more, but I think that's good enough. Yeah, we'll probably I also think that was a good topic to bring up. Yeah. Especially at the end. When when we come back, uh, we will be briefly back in Constantinople because we got to get to the main people. We got a big set of introductions to come up. Yeah. You will hear from the real crusaders. This
1: is really when the notes should be taken and we expect essays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. so stay
1: tuned for that um we're gonna hopefully diploma
0: exam coming up
1: yeah basically oh you just finished exams too fucking bad um (laughs) pandastoria exam it's legit
0: yeah
1: um (laughs) in terms of timeline when do you like we're we're hoping every other week right now every other week
0: yeah for the time being we're gonna do every second week until things get going another thing i should probably briefly mention is we will be launching the patreon account. We were going to launch it tomorrow, but I'm thinking I'm going to launch it on Wednesday cuz I got to retweak some of the mm-hmm. um, a some of the names of the patreon supporters and then some of the just some of the uh things you'll get access to. Mm-hmm. But that will be launched on Wednesday. Look forward to it to yeah. um yeah, I mean uh, of course it's optional. You'll we'll still be releasing main panastory story episodes for free, but there so will be a lot of bonus
1: content. Um, we have plenty of of friends with plenty of expertise in in, in different areas and are interested in contributing in different ways. Um, so if you like what if you like what we're doing and want to keep seeing us do it and help us improve the way that we do it, uh, like with technology, then <laughs> please consider supporting us. But I mean, if you you can't then you yeah. can't and we're it's, not gonna hold it against if you if you can
0: just donate a dollar a month yeah that would be great that's like we'll be forever grateful unfortunately mm-hmm. you won't get access to certain things but we will be grateful
1: but again no pressure if you can't even do that just yeah. tell your friends and keep supporting us if yep. you like what we're doing
0: please 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 give it like you guys are all of our followers have been so supportive and we love you yeah. we thank it's you surprisingly so
1: much. difficult to get things like this off the ground so all the support we've been getting has been pretty
0: it's been amazing pretty excellent it's been absolutely amazing uh also really quickly i should say happy birthday to mags i know your birthday is not for we're recording this on it's june 30th it sure is it's not for another couple days and this will probably be released afterwards but i'm not saying belated because i said it before so there Anyway, thank you guys so much. We'll, we'll be back with the, the, the actual First Crusade or the Prince's Crusade.
1: Holy shit, I made it through an episode and didn't get fired.
0: Yeah, that's fine. You did pretty good. Good. So.
1: Yay! <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the, the day is still very young. The day is young. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, we're going to leave you with uh, They Might Be Giants singing Constantinople because that's what Lindsay wanted. So it's stuck
1: in my head this whole episode. <laughs> You're lucky I didn't start humming it.
0: All right, thank you, guys. Have a good one
1: and Constantinople, now it's Istanbul Now Constantinople, been a long time gone Constantinople, now it's to light On a moonlit night Every gal in Constantinople Lives in Istanbul, now Constantinople So if you would in Constantinople She'll be waiting in Istanbul Even old New York Was once New Amsterdam Why they changed it, I can't say
0: People just liked it better that way So take me
1: back to Constantinople No, you can't go back Constantinople been a long time
0: gone. Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business but the church.